0: After Tuberville's 2008 resignation, Auburn turned to the hottest coaching candidate on the market, recently fired NFL coach Nick Saban. What was that? The world of sports is one built on moments, buzzer beaters, miracle catches, and fateful draft decisions. But how would things look today if one injury, one trade, one singular moment had played out differently? This is the show that replays the should have been's, could have been's, and great what ifs in sports. This is Replay the Down. What if Alabama never hired Nick Saban? That's our topic today. This is Replay the Down. I'm Tyler Wessel, here with my friends Jason Delaruso and Nathan Adams. Let's do it. I think every fan has a what if moment in sports. They look at their team and they say, what if that player hadn't gotten hurt or that play had gone this way or we had just drafted this player? I think everyone has that because you wonder what great things may have happened. And oftentimes it might bring you a little bit of pain. So what I want to know is, Jason, what's your what if moment?
1: My personal what if is Kobe Bryant, the Hornets. If he could have, you know, if he would have stayed, we didn't trade him. What would have happened? I mean, would he have still been good? I think so. I think he'd been good, but our organization was a mess, so who knows? Um, other one is probably Michael Jordan if he wouldn't have played baseball. I, I would have loved to see what he could have done if he would have stayed in Chicago and kept winning championships. I mean, who knows how many he would have had and how many he ended up with. How about you, Tyler?
0: So I'm a big South Florida guy, went to University of Miami. It's where I met Nathan, big hurricanes fan, big heat fan. But I'm actually a helpless Vikings fan, thanks to my family being from Minnesota. And so my big what if is, what if Brett Favre would have just run the ball instead of trying to be the hero in the NFC Championship game against the Saints? I think we win that game and probably go on to beat the Colts in the Super Bowl. Instead, we're still sitting on zero Super Bowl victories. We just find the most creative ways to lose sometimes, I swear. Nathan, what about you? Top
2: what-if moment in sports as a Northeast Ohio born and raised Cavs fan (laughs) for as long as I can remember has to be what if LeBron stayed. What if LeBron stayed? And honestly, you could talk about the first time. Uh, when he went south, or you could talk about the second time when he went west, but what would, have, what would have happened had LeBron James stayed in Cleveland? How many rings would he have? How many championships would the Cavs have won? Uh, would they have been able to attract more free agents? Would the other teams in town be more successful? You know, I think the, the what-ifs go on and on and on. What if LeBron would have stayed? And, of course, as the dreamer, the optimist that I am, Tyler, I do have to say, what, what about if he comes back
0: and Nathan that's a perfect lead-in to some of our current events little little Cleveland Cavaliers in the news
1: instant replay
0: so we're going to cover some current events if you want to head over to today's topic just jump ahead to about the 16 minute mark or so and we'll see you there but Nathan Donovan Mitchell To the Cavs, not to the Knicks. To the Cavs, let's not replay that
2: down. To the Cavs, (laughs) didn't see that coming. Let's do it. Is it NBA season yet? Woo, let's go. Out of nowhere.
0: Yeah, what are your thoughts giving up the package you did for that?
2: Oh, to me, it makes total sense. I mean, I'm a homer, so let's be clear. But it makes total sense. They've got their core already before Mitchell. Locked in for the next several years. They're all around the same age as Mitchell. You know, Mitchell lines up time wise, give up the picks, go for it. Look, I, I'm a Northeastern Ohio guy, born and bred and raised, but I, I realize Cleveland isn't the hot spot uh, free agent destination. So you got to strike when the hot iron is hot, if you will. And it makes sense. They've got obviously what Love did last year coming back. Uh, six man of the year runner up um, Garland was I think runner up for most improved rookie of the year runner up anyway I'm excited could you tell let's do it yeah, let's go yeah.
0: Jason where where do you think this puts Cleveland in the east
1: In the east towards the top I mean without a doubt up there with the yeah I'd still you know close to the close to the Celtics it's between them and the Celtics I think coming out oh, next year Okay yeah. Jason's that's hot take like Cleveland's
0: number 2 seed I mean yeah. they're def- they're definitely up there I think you're still looking at Boston, uh, I think is still your favorite. Uh, Miami is still, up there. of course, there. Miami. You, you, even Tyler. lost to the PJ Tucker. <laughs> Tyler, you think Miami
2: should be? Oh, wow. Yeah, I, mean, I do think Miami. I am should shocked, be up Tyler.
0: <laughs> Milwaukee's <laughs> obviously going to be up there. too. Philly's going mean, to be up no, there uh, with their
1: big trade. But you talk trade. about all that. Look, look at what the Cavs have though. Now, I mean, and Donovan sure. Mitchell, I'm a huge fan. I mean, we passed on him as Hornets when he was coming out of college. <laughs> <laughs> we can say that about a lot of players, but Donovan <laughs> Mitchell, I think, is going to help that team tremendously and like uh nate said they still got many years left on the, those contracts so looks like they're gonna keep the core together
0: yeah i think yeah i, I know i think he came out if i remember right, he came out the same year as bam and was the pick before bam and i was i was hoping he would drop to pick 14 and jazz took him at 13 so i was a little bummed so i was on this train of like go get him pat you make you go after your whales go get him and now I'm just mad at Nathan because once again, Cleveland stole a star from his first LeBron and now and are stealing wait, Donovan Mitchell. Wait, right. Out wait, of did hand. he just say Cleveland stole LeBron?
1: <laughs> <laughs> wait a
0: minute. <laughs> oh, wow. How did okay. Cleveland steal LeBron?
1: Wasn't Cle- LeBron in Cleveland first? <laughs> details. Details. Yeah, yeah, uh, details. Uh, so our, our
0: second news story, Serena Williams, the legend, uh, exited uh, U.S. Open last night uh and as she recently announced her retirement and my question for you all and we'll have to do a whole episode on on serena at some point but is she the greatest female athlete of all time and if not who who would maybe be that
2: mm. i mean i've been debating whether or not she's just the greatest of all time period period don't, okay. don't even classify as female yeah. um think that's the debate yes Yes, i think that's a debate that that would be intriguing uh so yes yes and yeah who would else be the greatest female athlete of all time well
1: i mean in tennis i mean you know you look at steffi graf steffi graf i mean was that's you know one of my era too i used to love tennis in that era steffi graf um, 107 110 somewhere career titles i think she either had as many as serena or more um steffi graf in tennis was Amazing. I mean, revolutionary. I mean, she did a lot for tennis. Um, Serena, greatest athlete, Ah, a a woman's athlete. I mean, for her cultural impact, I mean, sure. I mean, she she has, I mean, you could put her right up there. On the court, I mean, I could argue even in tennis, there may, I mean, she's top of the mountain definitely one or two, I would say. I'd put her right there with Steffi Graf in my mind. Um, There's other ones there, but just what she's done in tennis, I mean... And what, how she, cultural icon, I mean, for women around the world, I mean, probably top. I mean, she's done a lot. I mean, I couldn't argue with it.
0: I think some of the other names you look at, uh, Mia Hamm obviously did a lot uh, from, yeah. a, sure. from a women's participation standpoint as well. And, and I think that's one of the things you have to, whether you say fortunately or unfortunately, like when you talk about greatest female athlete all the time, you have to have in the conversation, what did they do for the sport for women and girls and participation and whatnot uh i mean serena obviously she she had that aspect but also being a black athlete in a very white dominated sport i think also very similar to tiger woods Uh, i think the other name that i look at is like jackie Joyner kersey um who s i i think named her a couple years ago the greatest female athlete of all time I, i mean serena Serena's definitely up there. I think when you look at Kersey, though, you're like, she played basketball. She's she was named one of UCLA's greatest women basketball players of all time. Plus, she did the heptathlon, won multiple medals. So she's not just did basketball and track. She did seven different events in track. So, um, and she was, uh, if I remember, she she was very much a, a proponent out off uh, the field, off the track, off the court um, for women's sports and and whatnot. So uh, Serena, definitely top two, I would say, in the conversation. Trying to,
2: trying to appeal for my love of all things athletics and running there, Tyler, with that yeah, example. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the argument is, you know, how do you compare athletes across different sports, I think is always gonna be the, the challenge. But, you know, I'm, I'm recording here from a vacation in a resort and was downstairs at the bar uh, and everyone was glued to the TV in that bar last night. And I think that's, you know, Serena's cultural impact. I'm not watching tennis, period, regardless of whether it's men's or women's tennis, except that it was to see Serena last night. Like, I think the transcendent nature of Serena, when we think of the other, the GOATs of how they, their cultural impact um, that they've had for whatever reason that is, I think that's where, for me, Serena, you know, is in that conversation uh, with others, other GOATs.
1: I think you know, tennis translates well to other sports. I mean, tennis is the ultimate individual sport. It's you against your mind, you against your opponent, one-on-one. I mean, it's an individual I mean, accomplishment to do it. I mean, you can judge somebody's greatness in tennis easier than you could probably, like, say, in the NBA or, you know, WNBA. It's easier to do it because it's them on the court, one-on-one with their opponent. And she's been great at it, great yeah. at it ever since she stepped foot on the court.
0: Yeah, and, and, and to kind of pivot from there, we go from greatest probably individual sport to the ultimate team sport. It was announced college football is expanding to a 12-team 12, 12 playoff.
1: Thankfully. And, Boo. Yeah. Thankfully. <laughs> okay,
0: so we're going we're gonna to have, we're, we're have some opinions on this, but uh, top six ranked conference champions will be automatic qualifiers, which I love. I've been a proponent for having conference champs as qualifiers. In some regard, I hate uh, have hated the several times that teams who have not won a conference championship have gotten in to the playoff. Even if they have better talent, sometimes you have to earn it on the field. And if you don't win your conference, you shouldn't be in. And then the top four conference champs will get a get a buy. And
1: but too much of a good thing, guys. Too much of a good thing. Too much.
0: Bad. Oh, oh. I mean, the aspect that, that will be interesting is A does it actually create better parody? Because I feel like the college football playoff has...
1: Who wants uh, parody? Why do we always have to have parody, Tyler? Because... I mean, can't there just be a dominant team in, the, in that because do then it you'll year lose interest. after year? Is you'll that the interest. buzzword Bory. in the USA for sports Bory. in the 2021 do we have to have parody?
0: I'm not saying everyone gets a trophy. I'm saying everyone gets an opportunity to win the trophy, which is a problem because often. Who wants it's that? Co-
2: this like person in the Hornets fan over here
1: yeah, doesn't want to see just, parody. Yeah. Come on, man. Do not enjoy want to your, see parody. Enjoy your Baker Mayfield. I don't want it to be artificially easier for me to get into the playoffs. I want my team to know that they're the best in the field. And if you have these dominant teams that you've seen, like Alabama, I mean, it's not every year. I mean, they're always in the conversation, but they're not winning the championship every year. That's what I love about college sports. What I love about sports, you love seeing the dominant teams, Man City and the EPL. You know, I think you we're gonna, like seeing domination.
2: I think we're being sort of false- bill of false goods at one level, Jason, because I think we're going to end up where you are saying anyway. I think we're going to end up more like the NCAA basketball tournament where we have teams making the field. It it involves more people be in the field, but we're still going to end up with the top teams still being the top teams does it mean um it takes an extra week or an extra round of games to get there probably but i think it gives much like mlb has expanded nfl's expanded it keeps folks more interested longer in the season which is good for all these leagues all these sports bottom line and it's just to me it's just more fun if you're saying there's a you're saying there's a chance right you're saying there's a chance, saying there's a chance. let me let me get into the field and anything can happen right tyler and I yeah, big but. Miami fans we got into the tournament this last year for basketball we made it all the way to the Elite 8 that's a huge deal yeah. for Miami basketball will have any lasting impact I don't know, but it was fun but, and it was right. And who won? Kansas. Kansas still came out. The Blue Bud still won. Alabama's still going to do what Alabama does. It's much. Cincinnati but got. But I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody
0: looks. Anybody looks at March Madness now. You can say yes, who got snubbed and got out, but you still have sixty-eight teams getting in. So nobody looks at it saying no one had a chance. The argument is the the deck is so stacked for Currently. the Alabamas and Georgias and Ohio States. So I think if you can sell. The chance to make the playoff to other teams um that's a better recruiting tactic if you can create more games and more opportunities to knock off a couple of those dominant teams like uh boise state knocking off oklahoma years ago i mean no one expected that i love seeing these these at least an opportunity to make it happen so that's my perspective on it
1: i i disagree i mean i think the beautiful thing about college football and i'm jumping ahead is that every game matters and you start having these conference champions in 12 team playoffs it comes like the even with March Madness, nobody watches the beginning part of college basketball season unless it's the the main primetime games or the diehard fans. They start tuning in in conference play in the second half of the season. And then from the conference play in the tourneys, that's when they tune in. I mean, the beautiful thing about college football for me is that every week that I sit down and watch, I know it's important. They have to win this game if they want to have a chance. Yeah. of going in and winning the Unless you're Alabama
2: or Georgia or LSU or the SEC West, they can lose. Well, they can lose. Ohio State can lay an egg against Purdue like they do every year and still get in.
0: To the point Jason's making is that every game does matter. And when you have an SEC championship game where Alabama and Georgia are playing and people are saying, regardless of the result, unless it's a blowout, regardless of the results of this game, both teams are in, that Means that game doesn't matter, and that's and that's a conference championship, maybe the best conference championship game. And you're saying exactly. the result doesn't matter, so that's why I like the whole thing with conference champs or in because it is an automatic qualifier, it makes those games matter just a little bit more. And honestly, but you're still it makes,
1: talking about the final game, you're not talking about the whole i gotta season. know how Jason feels about realignment. We're gonna yeah, talk about that, but you have to in get into that, you
0: got to get into the final game. I mean, I think it's, still it's harder though. to I get, I mean, you know. You, it's, it's gonna be harder to get to your conference championship game now than it will be to potentially to get to the playoff. My Yay. thing is it gives every team, whether you're in a group of five conference or one of the power five, it gives every team a chance to get in. But let's not get hung up on this because a lot of this is gonna bleed right into our conversation today. Once again, we've mentioned them a couple times, Alabama is the favorite. Uh, I think I actually saw they're one of the biggest preseason national title favorites in the last 20 years. Uh, expected to be favored by double digits in every game uh, this season, so no surprise there. And re- regardless of what we think of them or what or has or hasn't gone on behind the scenes, uh, they've been a machine since they've hired Nick Saban. Uh, but I think a lot of people forget how close that came to not happening in 2006. Alabama 80. Malmore fired head coach Mike Shula. The top five coaching candidates to replace them were Steve Spurrier, Greg Schiano, who I feel is in every coaching conversation anytime there's an opening, uh, David Cutcliffe, Rich Rodriguez, and Nick Saban. And you know, Saban continually denied interest. He was with the Dolphins at the time, had just finished his second year. Uh, Steve Spurrier told Paul Feinbaum he was basically offered the job. And then Rich Rodriguez, who was at West Virginia at the time. It seemed like a done deal. Like, everybody thought he was going to Alabama for, for a whopping $2 million a year. Let's talk about contracts. But he's just kind of surprisingly changed his mind and returned to West Virginia, only to leave a year later for Michigan. It's so
2: easy for us to... F- to think that Nick Saban is the norm and the success that he's had, like that list of coaches you you offered, Tyler, that's a heck of a list of coaches. We can chuckle and laugh at Cutliffe at Duke, but man, he took Duke to levels it had not ever been to, right? I think all those, those coaches, would they have had the same success? Probably not. I think that's what we're going to talk about, the, who is Saban and what he's done um, and how he's done it
1: full disclosure i'm a huge nick saban homer i love nick saban
0: hence the alabama (laughs) argument him wanting to see alabama win every year okay now the i root for nick saban i can't (laughs) deny it
1: i love nick saban he hasn't historically been a loser nick saban was and he had tasted losing at dolphins for the first time so personally i think it was all him denying it and it was him and his agent just trying to drive up the money I i really do I believe he really wanted to go. I believe he was looking for a way out of the dolphins.
0: It was funny. During kind of my research for this this show, I, I went back and looked at to see kind of what the conversation was. Someone said, you know, Nick Saban's out there, but it would be a big step down to go from the Dolphins to Alabama. And it just it blows my mind because people look at Alabama, and they're like, Oh yeah, this is juggernaut and all the history and Bear Bryant. But like there was a big gap where they were not. hmm but yeah, our episode today asked the question, what if Alabama hadn't hired Nick Saban? What if Rich Rod or Spurrier had accepted the job and Saban stayed with the Dolphins for at least a third season? And rather than our typical debate style episode, we're going to cover three specific angles to this revisited history. I'm going to discuss what schools may have benefited the most from Saban's absence.
2: I'll be covering what would have happened to the various conferences. Would the SEC be the SEC that we know today? What would happened with realignment? What about some other conferences that no longer exist?
1: You know, being more of an NFL guy myself, I'm going to discuss if Nick Saban would have eventually succeeded in the NFL.
0: So it's amazing how a single unexpected hire could potentially change football, both college and NFL, for the next 15, 20 years and, and maybe forever. So much change when Saban took over at Alabama in 2006 didn't happen immediately, but by 2009, the Alabama train really took off. Let's just take a look at recruiting. in 2007, which would have been Saban's transition year, trying to salvage Mike Shula's class, Alabama ranked 18, which was consistent with the previous three years. The very next year, they had the number one class. From 2008 to 22 recruiting classes, Alabama had 10 number one classes as well as three number two classes. Now, a lot of people might question how they consistently got these, but I'm mean, gonna talk about that. Uh, but what about success on the field? Since arriving at Alabama, Saban's won six national titles and played for a handful of others while also winning eight SEC championships and from a draft standpoint, he's had a record 41 Alabama players drafted in the first round and at least one player selected in the first round in 14 consecutive drafts, which has tied Miami streak from 95 to 2008. Unfortunately, as a Miami guy, I think that record's going to be broken again uh, this year.
2: Yeah, i I mean, that that will be my argument. Um, Nick Saban has done and accomplished so, so much. We think we can almost take it for granted.
0: What if Alabama had hired Spurrier or Richrod? What would have happened? I've compiled a handful of schools that I think could make a case based on the current environment of college football at that time uh, of teams that would have benefited, maybe would have replaced Alabama. Uh, On this list, just a quick short list, Auburn, Florida, Georgia, LSU, Notre Dame was up, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Texas, and USC were still very much in the picture at that point. Uh, Before my Clemson friends jump in, This was before they really emerged, so I think they probably would have just been on a very similar path as they have now. Uh, But with that in mind, statement number one. The team most likely to replicate Alabama, the LSU Tigers. LSU, I just feel has always been a program very similar to Alabama recruiting-wise. They're always near the top year after year, even after Saban was hired. They have similar demographics, big state school, uh, similar recruiting tactics as Alabama uh they've lots won of shade today multiple, Tyler. lots of shade yeah multiple national titles lots of players drafted in the first round you know big sec school same division as as alabama and they've had a fair amount of stability in their coaching ranks say what you want about les miles or ed ogeron like they've had long stints which i think having stability helps you in that regard i think brian kelly's hoping to do that with his fake southern accent but without saving in place i think all those accolades for LSU jump even more they go up a little more they probably win more divisions more conferences have more opportunities to play uh for the title so if alabama had never hired saban i think the school that most likely replaces them is lsu
2: so the school that saban had already won a national championship <laughs> with is Pretty who much. you're going with okay
1: <laughs> just so we're clear it's a hot take.
2: <laughs> <Woo! laughs> Well, I mean, clearly history has told us that LSU is a, a great choice, right? They went on to win two more national championships since they won that one in 2003 with Saban. Um, I think largely because of what Saban helped to reestablish their LSU. And I'll get into that a little bit. But yeah, I think LSU, I mean, LSU makes sense for a lot of times. But we have to give Saban his props for helping it to be the school that would have benefited the most from him not being back in the same division. I mean, that makes sense.
1: Uh, yeah, I could agree. I can I can get it with LSU. I mean, he'd already built up recruiting the way it was, and where Nick Saban targets LSU again would have had the benefit. I think uh, USC is another one. Maybe Ohio State would have had benefits. They were top teams around that time. Great coaches, good programs. I think if it's not LSU, you're looking at USC. Maybe Georgia.
0: Yeah, I mean Mark Richt was very stable there. Um, that's why I said they could make a good case. I, I do think it's interesting, just the timing, and they we can say all they want about what the reason they left, but both Pete Carroll and Urban Meyer kind of left those schools, USC and Florida, shortly right after Saban showed up. Statement number two. There's a lot less pressure, or maybe more reasonable pressure, on the Auburn Tigers. Tommy Tarberville had a good 10-year run with Auburn, took them, to an undefeated 2004 season, which they went 13-0. That was the year there were three really good undefeated teams that had a legit case for the BCS title game before the playoff. And Auburn was the odd man out. But maybe more importantly, he beat Alabama in the Iron Bowl, winning six straight from 2002 to 2007, including Saban's first year. But in 2008, Saban came to reclaim the state. Let's first look at recruiting, 2007. Alabama ranked 18, Auburn 9. The next year, Saban's first full year, Saban went one. As I mentioned, Auburn was 31. And in this class, Saban crushed the Alabama recruiting scene, landing three five-star athletes, including Julio Jones, and 10 four-star recruits just from the state of Alabama. Auburn had just three four-star athletes from the state and eight in their entire class. But it was really on the field Saban made the statement, defeating Auburn and the Iron Bowl, 36-0 36-0 in 2008, which would ultimately be Tommy Tuberville's downfall. He went 5-7, and seven, stepped down just days after that loss. Now, they would go on to have some immediate short-term success. They went to two title games, 2010-2013. Uh, you had Cam Newton, kind of that magical season, including the kick six in the Iron Bowl. But ultimately, they haven't had the sustained success. And unfortunately for coaches and players, I think the school will always be measured next to Alabama. A lot of hot, lofty expectations, impossible to meet. Just this past year, boosters tried forcing out Brian Harson. Just recently, the Auburn's AD resigned, probably because of that situation. If Alabama had never hired Saban, how does things change? I think Auburn gets more local Alabama talent, definitely. Uh, and I think Tuberville probably has a longer, uh, more successful run. Or after Tuberville's 2008 resignation, Auburn turned to the hottest coaching candidate on the market. Recently fired NFL coach, Nick Saban.
2: Would LSU, I mean, your team that would have benefited the most, you know, how many of those would they have gotten? If they're not going to Alabama, are they going to LSU instead? But, yes, I think Auburn, it, just being out of the shadow of Saban for all the reasons you listed, I think would, have, would, would be totally different.
0: So, Jason, if, if Nick Saban had gone to Auburn a year later instead of, or two years later, instead of Alabama, would you still be a big Nick Saban fan? <laughs>
1: yeah i mean i'd still i I like nick saban as the as a coach i remember when he was lsu the first time um it was the second year he was there i mean just what he did Yeah, a huge fan i just it just stuck with me i mean you know his work ethic is second to none um so yeah in that scenario i would have still been a fan and i think he would have still done great even if it wasn't when he came back to college football he had a point to prove so i believe he would have done good anywhere he went that's true yeah, his worth ethic, his, he adapts.
2: At one level, will complain about something, and you know at this other, like somewhere else, he's already worked on an answer to NIL, or whatever it might be, and he's done that throughout his 100%. career. Um And I think, that is, I think that's what makes him so good at what he's doing.
0: I would have loved to be in that SEC mm-hmm. meeting, that's coaches right. meeting, after yeah. the whole Jimbo and spat over NIL. Oh man, that would have been great. Just be a fly on the wall there. All right.
2: So we got LSU, Auburn, what you got for us next?
0: statement number three schools that would have benefited the most are the entire big three of miami florida and florida state
2: the medium three these wow, days
0: I'm shocked, tyler <laughs> everyone's gonna call me a homer everyone's gonna call me homer i'm not saying they would have replaced i already said lsu probably would have been the one to most likely replicate i'm saying the teams that would have benefited the most here's my argument when Saban was hired at Alabama, while well, he definitely hit up Alabama, as, as I just talked about, he also raided the, the Florida high school market. Over the last decade plus, he's been able to cherry pick the best Florida athletes. Amari Cooper, Derrick Henry, Calvin Ridley, Jerry Judy, Trent Richardson, Patrick Sertan, Mac Jones, all these guys came from Florida. This has affected the whole nation, but it's really affected the big three schools, Florida has had a couple number one classes under Urban, FSU under Jimbo, but that hasn't been long-term sustained success. If all three of those schools are better without saving there, A, college football is more entertaining. Colin Coward always says, when USC and Miami are back, college football is more entertaining. That's one. And then two, all of college college football would be better if the big three had more talent because there'd be, Jason's favorite word, more parity. The talent would be more evenly distributed. I mean, just imagine each of the big three taking one or two extra four or five-star guys rather than them going to Alabama. It would have even the whole playing field. It would have created so much more opportunities for different schools to jump in and out. I think Urban maybe sticks around longer without Saban there. I think Jimbo probably has a little more long-term success at FSU. I think Miami probably attracts better coaches. I mean, part of the reason is they were cheap. Fully acknowledge it. They did not spend money on top-tiered coaches at the time. That looks like it's changing now. And that's part of the equation as well. Like Alabama's been consistent putting guys in the NFL. They've had world-class facilities. They've had big coaching staffs, a lot of analysts. And the big three haven't. They've had a lot of coaching turnover. You just look at the last 10 years, how many coaches each of those teams had. Overall, the big three have not kept up with the arms race. And I think that's one big thing Saban has done. He's created a monster out of college football. I think he really accelerated the professionalization of college football you look at the tv deals that have come out the arms race realignment transfer portal nil just we just talked about the playoff expanding like all this has happened in the last 15 years and i think a lot of that's due to sabin the rise of the sec uh the professional structure that he brought from the nfl if he had never shown up does any of this happen do we think this would have happened you know eventually maybe but maybe not at the same rate would spurrier or richrod have done this I, for one, don't think so. I think it took the right coach at the right school at the right time.
2: Yeah, I think this. we're going to continue to talk about nature versus nurture, but I think you're right, Tyler, that it was the combination of Nick Saban and his talent, his experience, his grit, his uh, professional experience with the Dolphins and the Browns, frankly, um, and and combine that with Alabama and their history, their uh, willingness to do what's necessary. We'll leave that as it is uh, to be successful. Um, And those coming together to get us to where this point is. Could he have reproduced that somewhere else? I think so. Probably not to the level that he's done at Alabama. Um, At the right time, right place. Absolutely. And I think your take, you know, at the risk of sounding like a homer, Jason, um, I I don't see Miami necessarily benefiting too much uh, from Nick Saban not being at Alabama, except for some of the conference level stuff that I'll talk about here. And just a moment, but I do think they would have been it somewhat. And it's hard not to see Florida and even Florida State having a little more success since they, both those schools, you know, between them had three national championships, even with Saban at Alabama.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I agree that the Florida schools would have had some you know bigger level of success than they probably have with Nick Saban there because he is poaching from everywhere so I mean there's a lot of teams that could say that I mean is Florida you know in particular I mean I know you, you listed quite a few guys that that came from there he's poached but he's poached from everywhere <laughs> if he wouldn't have come back for for to, to college I mean it would have he had a huge effect and ramifications on a lot of places and a lot of schools um, I mean Florida is a good place to start though I agree
0: I mean, I, I think, and this pains me, but I'm going to be unbiased here, but as a Miami guy, I think if you look at Florida in particular with Urban Meyer, um, they had won two titles there. He had, I mean, he had Cam Newton. I mean, that whole situation changed, probably not because of Saban, but, you know, if Cam Newton had stuck around too. But if Urban stuck around for two or three more years, they could have had a five, six-year run of being very – the alabama the dominant team now part of me says everywhere urban's gone he's left a mess more so off the field than on the field but if he would have stayed at florida longer they potentially could have really become the dominant team that a lot of people are like they look at alabama they're like they're the ones that put everyone in the nfl i'm gonna go there they win national championships i think florida potentially could have been that and i hate saying it but when you look at urban being kind of he was one of the best and so i was very happy when he left florida (laughs) (laughs) Hey guys, this is Tyler. We are going to split this episode into two parts, so make sure to check out part number two where Nathan will discuss the rise of the SEC, realignment, and Jason will discuss if Saban would have been a successful coach in the NFL. Thanks for joining us today. You can follow us at ReplayTheDown on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. If you haven't subscribed yet, make sure to subscribe to our podcast, share it with your friends. We'd love to hear your thoughts. What if Alabama hadn't hired Nick Saban? How would it have changed college football? We'll see you in episode two as we replay the down.